Today's episode highlights include the CBYX program, tips for a meaningful, successful year and how to leverage the experience after, German Friendships 101, language learning during and after the abroad experience, engagement with refugees in Munich, and this week's travel suggestion, you hear why Munich is a must-visit beyond Oktoberfest at the usual sites. My name is Heine Geist. Welcome to Coffee Connections. Today's Coffee Connection is Blake Goodman, Chairman of the CBYX Alumni Association and Communications and Legislative Director for a member of the Michigan State Legislature. Have a listen. I'm Blake Goodman. I am a member of the 32nd PPP for Young Professionals, CBYX for Young Professionals class. That was 2015-2016. Now I am the chairman of the CBYX Alumni Association, which is a membership organization of CBYX alumni here in the U.S., For my job, I work here in Lansing, Michigan as the communications and legislative director for a member of the Michigan State Legislature. And that's what I do for my full time. But I feel like I sort of have two jobs because being involved in the CBYX alumni community is all encompassing. Because you're the chairman and you're the, one of the founding board members. So you're not just a part of it, but you're one of the driving forces. Yeah, so um, that sounded very, that was a very nice way to put it. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I try my best. CBYX is a major cultural exchange and public diplomacy program for the State Department and for the Bundestag. Because it's a mutual exchange, it's really unique among the programs that the State Department puts on and the experience that both the Americans and Germans get being part of it is really unique among the various programs that are available to young people. I have a big passion for it because the program was so transformative for me. I have so many follow-up questions. I have to actually think where I want to start digging in a little bit deeper, but why don't we start with your first experience with German and how you became interested and then what made you decide to participate in the CBYX program? As a young person, when I was, I probably was 12, I started taking French in middle school. And I did that until I was probably in my second year of college. And at that point, I said to myself, I would love to add another layer onto the languages that I know. I was also doing my undergraduate in international relations with a focus in Europe, European government, European government structures. And so German and French and English, it seemed like a natural fit as a language triangle. You know, the Franco-German engine, when you're talking about the EU and EU structures, is the number one thing. And so to be able to work as a native English speaker with a French and German language background was something that I thought, let's work towards that. Let's make that happen. And so I was blessed to have been able to start with the German program at the George Washington University in Washington, D.C. I had amazing professors there who I continue to keep in contact with. I'm blessed to have been given that opportunity for three years at GW not only to have done a full set of three years of language courses, but also to have been able to do a culture course, which was all about post-war Berlin. They actually took us to Berlin as part of the course. And to have been able to combine that 
German language experience with an understanding of German culture, of post-war Germany, which has shaped every single living German these days, no matter what their ethnic background, if you go to Germany, every single person is shaped by the post-war experience. That holistic understanding and the fact that they were so willing to give that full level of support is what kept me in the program for so long along with my own complete unwillingness to give up at any point. That's how I experienced learning English. I was, I was always so dedicated and eager to learn, but I did have trouble in the classroom, especially grammar. I knew the theory, but then putting it in practice without having lived in the country, that was really hard. And then once I lived in the United States, it it clicked all of a sudden. So for me, it was just crucial to be in the country. The first few months is language training, right? So yeah. where did you end up doing that? In what city? So I did my language training in Cologne. The Cologne group is the largest. So there's, of the 75 young professionals, 40 of us about were in Cologne. And I stayed with an amazing host family who take a CBOXR every single year for the two months. And basically, it was an intensive language course that was basically like our job at that point. Our job was to learn German well enough to be able to move on to the next phase, the, the permanent placement. What did that look like, the permanent placement? So... We have a seminar at the beginning of the program. And at the seminar in Washington, D.C., you find out what Bundesland you're going to have your permanent placement in. And they don't tell but, you so anything. So this is the, that. I just wanted to ask, is that something that you have any influence on? Or is that just you random luck? Fill out, you fill out a very comprehensive questionnaire which if anyone is going to listen to this as a way of considering applying for CBYX or prepping for CBYX, be very honest on would be my number one thing to say. The people who liked their permanent placement less, I found were just less open and less honest about pieces of their personal life. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what do, sure. you, what, what do you mean when you say be honest? I am a city person. I've always lived in big cities. I'm from New York. I studied in Washington, D.C., and I've never lived anywhere outside of that. Being in a small Bavarian Dorf for a full year would have been a jarring experience simply by virtue of the shocking difference of being in a city where everything is available all the time to being in a small country town where maybe that's not true. I'm also Jewish, which I said not because I expected anything bad, but I wanted to be upfront about it. You know, I don't require any special food or anything like that, but there's no reason for me not to say anything. If, for example, there's a family where they would have expected me, they're very staunch Roman Catholics. Bavaria is very Roman Catholic. Von Wittenberg, lots of Roman Catholics. Cologne, same thing. If they would have expected me to go to Mass with them on Sunday, that would have been an uncomfortable conversation where I would have said, I don't go to Mass. I'm also a gay man. You know, to be open about my religious background, to be open about my sexual orientation, it doesn't hurt me. Those are facts of my personality that I don't hide, of my existence that I don't hide, not just my personality, but my living existence. So why would I hide them? If someone had a problem with it, it would only serve to make them uncomfortable and me uncomfortable. So as far as I'm concerned, let's do everyone a favor and start in an open and honest way. So I was able at that point, instead of being put into the other two locations for language school are Saarbrücken or Radovzell am Bodensee, which are both nice, beautiful places, especially Radovzell in the summer, June, July. Those people had a very nice time. But it would have been difficult for me personally in that adjustment. And it was hard enough of an adjustment anyway, even with everything going well for me. 
So the next phase is that we all get sent to our permanent placements. I was thrilled to find out that it was in Munich. It was the perfect place for me. And having lived there for the 10 months that I did, it's like my second home. So I studied at the Ludwig Maximilians Universität, the LMU in Munich. I was enrolled in the political science faculty there, and I had a great experience. I was lucky because I had just finished a degree. So I didn't need this for any sort of credit, and I didn't necessarily need to learn anything. I could focus on using that time to make my German better, start socializing with young German, young people in Munich my age, and uh, I was lucky to be able to do that. So how did you do that? How did you socialize? How did you improve your German? The number one way that I improved my real German, my German that I would use to... Not the uh, classroom German. Right, not the classroom German, was to use that classroom time to find people who were taking that class for real and study with them, get a beer with them after class and talk about whatever we just went over, work with them in the library, use the fact that they're students at the university to find opportunities to be with them outside of the class. The biggest thing about a German university It's something that lots of Americans don't realize, but it's probably very prevalent across Europe, is that most people, when they say, I'm going to the university, go to their local university. Mm-hmm. And their friends who go to the technical university go to the local technical university. And so they don't need to make new friends. They have a group of friends that they already have established. And Germans see, it's my experience, that Germans see friendship or any relationship as an investment of time and emotional energy. And they seek out long-term relationships over sort of fleeting relationships. And so for someone in our position as CBYXers, it's tough because you already started a time clock when you say, yeah, I'm here until next July. That's tough because you're telling your prospective German friends, yeah, I'm only going to be here until then and then I'm out. So when you're looking for Germans who are your age to socialize with, you have to create a, a reason around it. And then you have to explain to them, you know, if as long as it's true, I'm not looking for short-term relationships. Sure, a year from now, we may not be having a beer in the local bar together because I'll be in the States and you'll be in Germany. But that doesn't mean that I'm not looking to have a long-term fulfilling friendship or professional relationship or anything else between us just because I'm not going to be on this side of Munich and you're going to be on that side of Munich and we'll meet up every Tuesday or something like that. So it's about finding people who are willing to invest emotionally in that sort of relationship as well. And I was really lucky that I was able to do that. I think that that's the number one way that I think that, that, understanding the way that Germans view friendship. How long did it take willing... you to figure that out? Um, probably too long. Mm. <laughs> I think that probably after I got to Munich, it probably took another two months before I had any real engaging or a month or two months, something like that, where I had like a real engaging conversation that wasn't about class with another German 20-something. But you explain to them why you're there. They think it's interesting because they always want to practice their English. I just wanted want to, to ask, did you, did you mostly speak German or also English? Or did you agree on some deal where you speak both and just switch back and forth? I was a stickler for forcing people to speak to me in German. Which um, you have to be, really, yeah. if you really want to speak it, I feel. Yeah. 
Well, as a Berliner, I, you know, that's, you know, look, I, I've been in Berlin coffee shops where I've ordered in German and the person says back to me in a British accent, sorry, I don't speak German. Do you, do you speak English? So especially in Berlin, but in Munich, you know, especially young people, I mean, they speak perfect English and they always want to practice their English. And they always tell you, like I said, they always say how bad their English is, which is never true. Germans have a real complex about it. I don't understand what the complex it's not, is. Yeah, it's but... not just that. It's, it's, you, don't, you don't brag. You basically always say that you are not good enough. That's the German right. way of doing it. That's the German way. But if there's Germans that are living in America that are going to listen to this, your English is perfect, I'm sure. Just tell yourself that in the mirror. But I would force people to speak to me in German. You know, you have to be kind about it. But I would always say to them, first of all, your English is great. I promise you your English is great. And I need this experience a little more. Second, you're going to encounter English speakers all the time. Once I come back to the States, encountering German speakers on like a daily basis, unless you work in a German related something. So like I, in my nonprofit way, deal with Germans all the time. You know, people who work with DAID, they work with the German embassy, they're going to deal with Germans all the time. But most of my colleagues who came back to the States, they don't deal with Germans all day long. They're bakers or they work in communications or they work in politics. They don't deal with Germans all day long, despite whether they'd like to or not. So they have to seek that out. This is the number one thing when it comes to dealing with Germans is about being straightforward and about being honest. And like, I needed that help. I needed that time. If they switched to English, my whole brain was going to be messed up anyway. So I would tell people at my job, at the university, I need you to speak to me in German. And if I look like I don't understand, because, you know, you get that deer in the headlights look where you sort of, you speak to someone and you know that they're not understanding. You know what my favorite people. is when that happens? And sometimes I ask for someone to repeat it and then they just say it louder. <laughs> yes. Have you had that? Yes. I, so I find accents are really tough. Living in Munich, they, yeah. you don't, you, nobody teaches you a Bavarian accent in an American. Can you do it now? American, I can't. I can't. I can like do one that's probably like seriously making fun of people. We've been talking the whole time and I forgot to ask one of the really important questions. If we had this conversation at a German cafe, what would you order? What would I order? I would have a Milchkaffee because you can't get coffee as good anywhere else. And I would have to go up to, because every German cafe has the glass case of cakes and cookies and things like that. So I'd have to go up. I would probably have a whole conversation with the person to tell me what they like. And then because I was in Munich, I would either have something that was completely poppy flavored. So moon, cake, citronemoon, something like that. Or anything Johannesbeer. Mm. I, don't, I, I could not, first of all, tell you what a Johannesbeer translates to in English. I think it might be like a red currant, but I'm mm -hmm. not sure. But I know that they're delicious. And I know that it's such a German thing. I love it. The other thing I will say is that when well, you get to winter time, just after the turn of the year, it becomes time for stone fruit, plums and uh, peaches and things like that. And all of the cafes in Munich do either cakes or pastries that are all tzvechke all the time, which is again- oh, I love that. Oh my God. And I love that. It is so good. Yeah. All of the plum cakes and they're all sweet, but a little sour. That would be the top. But because it's Bavaria, we would probably be having this over a beer and probably a fairly probably. large pretzel. 
You know what I miss? Like a good obatsta. Good obatsta. That is that is one of the most Bavarian things that there is. Can you describe the, the what only... that is? It's like brie and then some spices and it's like big. It's like it's it's like a cheese spread. It, it, it's really undescribable to to anyone who has not had it before. As far as I'm concerned, it's just like top level cheese spread on a pretzel of all time. My number one pretzel thing though, I go, if anyone's, you're asking me things to do in Munich that people need to do. You go into one of the many cafe richards and you ask them for a, one of the pretzels that has cream cheese and chives. They slice the pretzel in half and you get a, you could have a Budapreze if you're not, you know, so into the cream cheese and chives, but you are missing out. <laughs> I've you actually never had that. <laughs> ah, Schnittlauchbreze. Schnittlauchbreze. <laughs> That's a thing in, in Munich? I don't know if it's a thing in Munich, but it is a thing at Café Richard, which is a chain of Munich-based okay. cafes. Top-level chain cafe. I always tell Americans, you don't understand what good coffee is until you've had like the best coffee of your life that comes from a machine behind the counter of a German cafe and you think it's going to be garbage because you don't know what you're talking about, and it came out of a machine, but it is actually top quality. <laughs> you said that the CBYX year was really profound for you. I would like you to spell that out a little bit. I left the United States for CBYX not knowing necessarily what I wanted to do, and I found my career path in Germany sort of by accident. I found the job I ended up getting, It was posted on a board, a literal board, in one of the buildings for the political science faculty at the LMU. And so I applied to the position and I ended up interviewing and got it. And, or I got a separate position than the one I exactly applied for, but it was basically the same, just in a different field for a PR. And that experience of working in Germany, first of all, was very humbling. At that point, you have gone through about four or five months of language training and then university, and you feel really good about your German generally, and you've made some friends, hopefully. And then you start working, and they tell you things like, okay, go call this major magazine publisher and talk to them, you know, get the name of their style and beauty editor, and then talk to them about how we can get them test products from this company's new line of test products. Well, I had never talked on the phone in German before that. Before that day, I had been texting with friends, but if I was talking to anyone on the phone, it was probably my American friends, my parents, my host family I had been talking to in German, but professional phone conversations in, in any professional circumstance It's different from just, so, hey, how are you doing? And exactly. when we come home for lunch? Exactly. So that was a really humbling experience of failure and being taken off things and being given different things to do, more menial things, and then sort of working my way back up once I gained the confidence of my coworkers again. That's a humbling experience. I, like many people, don't take failure super well. Who does? And that felt like, exactly. And, and it felt like a failure. Mm. Uh, and that was tough. By the end of that experience working at that PR agency, I knew I wanted to work in communications. And I came back to the US with that in mind. 
I worked for a while in Washington, D.C. doing nonprofit administration, which wasn't exactly what I wanted, but I knew that it would get me going. And then I realized that when I was thinking about applying for a different job, that one of my problems was that I didn't have a credential for communications. You know, I didn't have anything on my resume besides this internship that I could really point to. And so at that point, I decided to get my master's and I moved to London and did my master's at the LSE in media and communications. And I think that without my experience having left the States and moving blindly to Germany, I never would have had the confidence to do the same thing, to get up and move to the UK and do my- And now my question is, why didn't you do there. that in Germany? I considered it and I did apply to the communications program at the LMU. And one of the things I had difficulty with was that, because I had taken a master's level international affairs course at the LMU before that. One of the things I had difficulty with, first of all, was that I would have had to take either a test staff or they don't call it ZOP anymore, but I would have had to take the mm -hmm. go to certifications for that, which I would have been fine with, but it was just something that would have had to happen. The other thing that the LMU had issue with was that I didn't have a bachelor's in media and communications. And so it was difficult for them because the German learning model is so narrow but deep, whereas the American model is very shallow but broad. You use each degree to build on to another degree, whereas in Germany, you sort of go one down the other. The conversations I was having with the LMU were not concerning to me, but I think that collectively, they and I were concerned that I didn't have the basic understanding of what I was getting into academically beforehand. So taking the Germanness out of it, you know, as far as the language or moving there or anything like that, they were much more comfortable with me doing a political science master's, for example. I think they probably would have taken me in a minute or an economics master's or international relations or any of those things. They would have been happy. But I had just decided I didn't want to do that. And so when the opportunity at the LSC came up in London, at that point, it was a no-brainer to take it and to move forward with it. It was a one-year master's. You know, you do it, you get it done, and it's a slog, trust me. But I think that it was the best option that presented itself to me in that moment. But I can't thank, you know, Blake from 2015 enough, because at that point, I was reading and using German language academic materials in my uh, studies in London, citing German academic papers in a way that most of my colleagues could never do, uh, except obviously for the German and Austrian Swiss ones. It, it's something that I had thought about doing, for sure, doing, my master, doing that master's in, in Germany. I think that now, if, for example, I wanted to get a PhD, it wouldn't be a problem at all, because now I have the academic background in that field that most German universities are looking for you to have before you get yourself into it. But so, so even, though, even though you didn't pursue a master's in Germany, with your German language skills, you still used your German experience while you did your master's in London. For sure. And my thesis project involved doing research interviews with people. I was able to use the connections with people that I had gotten to know in Germany to find interviewees in Germany. So it broadened the scope of my whole project. It broadened the scope of the academic 
work that I could use for my thesis project. That experience, I, I think it only goes to waste if you let it go to waste. So how do you use your experience now in your professional life as a communications and legislative director for the state of representative? I think that the number one thing that I got out of my experience in Germany was definitely, besides the German language uh, experience, which is something that you get both from your language phase, but also just naturally from living and existing in German, which is completely different from any, as you said before, living in that scenario is completely different than any class you could take. But the number one thing outside of that that I got was the real world professional communications experience that I got working in a PR agency, in a commercial PR agency. I was lucky. It's a boutique firm. So there were probably 20 employees in the entire firm in Munich. I was able to work one-on-one -on -one with each of them and learn from them the basics of being a communications professional. And so when I went to school for communications, I walked in with that knowledge straight on. And now it's knowledge that I use, not only in my daily work, but it's knowledge that I pass on. We just got a new class of interns yesterday, three new interns for our office. I work with them and I look forward to working with this new class on teaching them, this is how we do press releases. This is how we set up communications events. This is how we set up a media advisory. All of these real world things, because I walked out of my internship with real world things that I could hold as uh, not just accomplishments, but as things that I can incorporate into my work. It's definitely used in that way. I think that as a German language speaker, the number one way that I use my German is definitely through the Alumni Association. And that's because, again, when you come back to the States, if you're not working in a German-related field, it's difficult and you have to seek out situations where you can use that. And so for me, because I don't work directly in that field on a daily basis, like some of my colleagues from CBYXAA do, I force myself to keep working on behalf of the alumni community, because to me, that's my way of staying in touch with Germany. That's my way of staying in touch with CBYX. That's my way of staying in touch with the German alumni who we're always in contact with. For me, it's an active choice that I make sure I do every day. And look, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't include, you know, watching German TV or on, you know, Netflix or Hulu or whatever, listening to German music, you know, Apple music is full what's, of them. What's your, what's your favorite German music? So I, uh, <laughs> so if you listen to the Germany top 100 playlist on Apple music, it tends to be, there's a lot of, there's a lot of American music in there. That's just the way it's always going to be. But there's a lot of really good German rap going on right now. What's it is your very favorite? difficult. Oh my God, what's my favorite? Right now, my favorite is Apache. I just think that the, the whole, he has a newer, a newer album. The whole new album is very well-written. It's just so interesting. I listen to it mostly, not only because I enjoy it, but I listen to the type of music because it forces me to learn words that I think real people use. In the same way, I bought every month an issue of, German, uh, of GQ Germany. Every single month. I read GQ in America. I read GQ when I was in Britain. I enjoy it because I need something that's going to keep my attention mm -hmm. and is going to teach. And they, the way they write is in a style that is very casual. It's not like reading the Estset or any other newspaper. You know, you, you're reading a magazine and it's written in a way that real people talk in. 
So again, it's these active choices that force me that I continue learning day by day, that sort of everyday German. And that's really important because mm-hmm. nobody talks like a German textbook. No. You know, so you can choose to continue learning German. That's very proper and very good. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're going to use it every day or you're going to use it for some sort of professional something, you got to know that if you're speaking super proper, perfect people German, will look at you people weird. Are, people are going to look at you weird. And they're going to sort of sniggle and be like, are you, are you like trying to be better than us? So like, what's the, <laughs> what's that about? Munich is one of the cities that's very popular, but for someone who's lived there for a year, what are the things in Munich that you really love that it's maybe not a site or something that everyone knows? One of the things that I love about Munich, first of all, the attitude of the way that people are in Munich is wonderful. It's, I found to be very open and very caring. And when they asked about your day, they really cared about your day. So I think that the people are the number one attraction and they always should be, which is not to say that I found people who are less kind in other German cities. It's just to say that everyone, you know, when I was living in Munich, if they were from the city or they were from Southern Bavaria, they were just some of the kindest, nicest people and really heartfelt people. They, they wanted to make you feel as though you were at home in Bavaria. We were there at the height, it was 2015, 2016. So we were there at the top of the refugee crisis as well. Mm-hmm. Being there in the refugee crisis, one part of the CBOX for Young Professionals Americans program is that we have to do 40 hours of volunteering work. They do it as part of the program to uh, give back to our hosts in that sort of way and to show our hosts gratitude. I love that part. A few of us worked in a clothes donation place where we would do the clothes sorting. We would sort them out and then they had a little, I call it a store, but nobody bought it. It's what you didn't buy anything. It was the people would come in and it was often families and oftentimes they didn't speak any German. They didn't speak any English. Maybe they spoke French. Maybe they spoke Turkish. And we had someone there who spoke Turkish, but maybe only a few words of Turkish because they're really Syrian and they had just spent six months in Turkey at a refugee camp. So they don't really know. So, and we would get them clothes and, you know, get the children some clothes or something like that. That was a rough experience. I mean, it was a really, it was an experience I I love, but it was tough to do because there was an emotional exhaustion to it where you see people who are really in need. And, And in Bavaria, you know, during that time, there were most people, 90% of people were loving and caring and saw these people as people in real need. But there was a lot of backlash from people who I'm assuming, you know, were going through their own issues and saw a sort of skeptical view of what was going on, to put it kindly. And, you know, there were towns that were in Southern Bavaria that were hosting refugees and they had houses burned down and things. It was a, it was a rough time in Bavaria at that point. It's a very conservative state already. And so I think that after a while, some of the people who were the most open got to a place where they said, um, now, you know, enough's enough. What are we going to do with these people? And it was a rough time. You know, the Schattendus got on people's nerves after a while. And the need that they saw in these people didn't outlast that. So it was a, it was a tough time. I had a lot of rough conversations with especially older folks who had a different view of what was going on than I did. But it was an experience that I'm lucky to have had because it informs 
the way that I look at refugees and the way that I look at people fleeing crises. And it informs the way that even now, in the crisis that we're in now, that I look at helping the people that we help every day, where we help them with getting unemployment, or we help them with saving their business, or we help them. That, that level of empathy is something that you build up over time through experiences like that. Something that you would like Americans to know about Germany and vice versa. So something that is maybe lesser known or that you wish Americans knew about Germany, Germans, and the other way around. Something I wish Americans knew about Germany, that Germans are not the stuck up, very proper, sort of rude people that somehow they've been made out to be in the media or in or in sort of movies and film and, and television. It makes for a good punchline, but it's not true. Every German that I interact with, that I speak with, that I deal with, sure, they might be, you know, an efficient person or they might be very to the point or something like that. You learn to appreciate that about Germans when you deal with them very often, but they're just like us. They're nice, open, happy people and they want to invite you to their country and enjoy themselves and have you enjoy yourself. So Americans shouldn't be put off by what they think they know about Germans or what they think they know about Germany because because my experience, every single experience I've ever had with Germans has been a wonderful, really gracious, open either conversation or experience. Something that I wish Germans knew about Americans. There's many of us that are internationally minded. There's many of us that do want to engage. And there's many of us that want to connect with the country and culture and society that you guys have, many times in an attempt to make our country and culture and society better. And so I think that a lot of times, again, Americans are on TV and on the radio all the time. And so those are the people that create our cultural perception in Germany. Most of us are not uber conservative, nativist, wanting to close our borders off and not engage with the rest of the world. Most of gun, us are Gun open. enthusiasts. Right. You know, most of us are, are open and internationally minded and want to engage. And that's one of the reasons why I think that cultural exchange programs like CBOAX provide is so important for young people, high schoolers, all the way up to 24 and 25 year olds to be able to spend a year in each other's country and then take that back with us and be ambassadors for each other is invaluable to the relationship that our countries and our societies have with each other. That was a beautiful loop to the very beginning of our conversation. So it's nice to neatly uh, tie that up. If someone wanted to get in touch with you, maybe to ask you about your experience and also maybe if someone took part in a CBYX program and is not even aware that the Alumni Association exists, how would one find out more about that? Sure. So you can get us on our website anytime at www.cbyxalumni.org, or you can email us info at cbyxalumni.org. We also have a fairly active Facebook page, CBYX Alumni Association. 
or they can find us on LinkedIn as well. So social media is a perfectly good way to find us. We're a small team that does it. And so there's a perfectly good chance that you'll hear from me just as much as you'd hear from anyone else. And I am lucky to be able to engage with alumni all day long. And so, you know, if there's an alumni, that, an alumnus or an alumna who's going to hear this and wants to engage themselves either by volunteering with the Alumni Association, by offering a compelling story of their time in Germany that we can use to support the program's continued existence or they want to host an event in their area, they should reach out to us and we'll see how best we can make any of those things happen. This was my Coffee Connection with Blake Goodman. All content is created and edited by me, Hani Geist. If you would like to get in touch, send an email to podcast at DAD.org. Stay safe, healthy, and well. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you at the next coffee break.